Hail, hail, the Celtics are here, and what the hell do we care now? The transfer window has quietly just about been closed ajar, not to wake anyone up before the deadline, and we just about sneaked in someone who uh, almost missed the, the curfew at the end there. I think the Celtic admin was really on overtime last night, but uh, the January window's closed. I think we all know the kind of the main dealings of it, but we're here for the, the Celtics are here flagship podcast, and I'm Quinny, and as ever, I'm joined by Michal. Michal, good to see you, mate. Hail, hail. Hello, hello. I'm wearing an island fucking tribute to Adam Ida. There That's, we go. I said that with a requisite amount of enthusiasm. <laughs> For sure. And uh, and as, again, as ever, we're joined by Josh. Josh, good to see you, mate. Hail, hail. Good to see you. It's good to be back discussing a relatively interesting transfer window, let's just say that. I think interesting is probably the kindest word we've got. Um, yeah. <laughs> if anyone in the comment section has a kinder word, feel free to drop it in. Um, but I suspect the comment sections won't be full of kind words when it comes to Celtic because mm. we, we knew guys coming into this window. We all knew Celtic fans all around the world, even Celtic fans that only watch a game or two a season. Everyone knew what we needed this uh, January window. We did need a wee bit of housekeeping done. The squad did need a wee bit, uh, you know, like clearing of the dead wood, as it were. But I don't think anyone's seen us signing only a winger and only a backup striker when we so badly need an extra midfielder to cover for Hitati if his injury is something, as well as left-back and goalkeeper. Uh, the January window is officially, officially, officially closed. How do we feel about it? Josh, you go first. I'll say, I'll say disappointed. Obviously, you're expecting... I think everyone's expecting a left-back to be signed, but... As the weeks kind of rumbled on, it looked less and less likely. We got off to that decent start signing Nicholas Kuhn, and after that, there was a bit of bit of positivity, but it just seemed to to go on and on. And there weren't many concrete rumours and reports. Owen Beck was really the only left back we were solidly linked with. Thiago Araujo slightly, but yeah, pretty disappointing window on the whole. If I'm honest, the only the, the probably most positive part about it was, was some of the outgoings, a couple of boys getting out on loan, a couple of boys going in permanent deals, some half decent business done there, but on the whole, not the not the greatest window. Yeah, I mean on that outgoings thing, right? So several of our outgoings have said how good it would have been to go away earlier. And I got the vibe that we the main goal of this window was to reduce the number of people in the squad, which isn't like I'm not against that as an idea. Um, so, you know, Mikey Johnson moved to West Brom and said, well, it's been in the works for, mm. you know, a month. So if it's been in the works for a month, why didn't he leave a month ago? And <laughs> you could have gone out and signed somebody else. Like this is the sort of classic Celtic behavior that we know and love. And um, same with Lagerbielka, who hasn't moved on at all. Same with, you know, David Turnbull, did it really take them a month to find someone who'd pay £2 million for David Turnbull in the English Championship? Like, I feel like everybody from who, you know, I've heard and spoke to about this has said, surely this isn't a difficult thing to do. Um, and maybe if you'd have done that, you would have had more than six hours to find a left-back, which, I mean, I just don't believe that there isn't a left-back capable of playing at least some of the time for Celtic that you couldn't have got on loan or whatever. And now we've just ended up in a situation with no left-backs. And, you know, I, I've mentioned on this podcast a lot of times that, like, you don't you don't have a transfer policy based around your best players getting injured. But, like, if CCB is injured, if Atari is injured, like, these are guys who get injured, have been injured this year previously. Like, it seems like the sort of thing 
that we could have worked around. I mean, I guess in that sense, we keep Lager Bielka because we need an extra centre-back. But yeah, I mean, David Turnbull's gone, that's good. Michael Johnson's gone, that's good. But beyond that, it's pretty bad. Like, I know I'm less, maybe I wasn't being completely, I sound really downbeat here, but the Adam Ida thing, like six months long, somebody's the third to a striker, like whatever. I mean, I'd rather rock up out and get those minutes, but I imagine is Adam Ida now better than Rock about now, probably. So, like, he's still not going to come on before row, I reckon. So, and so what? That gives it one week, maybe two. You know, I yeah. think I could lead, I can lead us all in saying, Ozzy, 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 oi, 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 for to what? In about six hours' time, that they're going to hopefully knock South Korea out with their unique brand of really, really boring football. Because then we get our striker back. That would be nice anyway. if we could do that. I've just I've just pulled up the, the the transfer marked page because looking at the business we've now done across uh, January and the summer, Celtic are up eleven million quid. So this uh, th- this list does include stuff like Barkas and a jetty and whatever. This is from the summer window, guys returning from loan or whatever. But these are all the incomings that we've basically seen over this window, and anyone that's watching the screen can check it out now. But you all know all the incomings, and then yeah, as I say, the departures. It's you know, we're, we've made 11 million quid uh, over the summer and January. Obviously, Jota going for 29 million euros is reported on this page here as the largest part of that. But even in this window, like we're talking about Kuhn and the Ida coming in, Turnbull going out for 2.3 million, Idiguchi coming out for the, the thick end of a mill, and uh, all the other bits and pieces that went out in this window, like Quan on loan and uh, like Mikey Johnson, etc. We've not actually spent any money in this window. You know, there's not actually been an investment in the squad for the second window concurrently. And, you know, I did a video on, on this channel. I tried to give it a wee bit more air, a bit of life the other day, because we went through the, the manager's quotes, the boardroom quotes, pre-window. And, you know, I was kind of holding my last kind of uh, emerald of faith onto their words. Like, it seemed very obvious from what they were saying. They know we need to spend money. They know we need to win the league. They know the bounty of riches that's coming at the end of the season. And I think... When you see that, it uh, it just kind of boils the blood further, doesn't it? It's not like we're anywhere near strapped for cash. That it's what we had at first with Rogers coming in. There was this kind of rumor, or with Angela a little bit as well, of a one in one out policy. And you know, really, there's been no really need for that this this season. There's no need to wait for Turnbull to go. There's been no need to wait for someone to leave before we should be bringing people in. So the whole like you know, getting Phillips, uh, pardon me, getting um, Turnbull punted. And then having like five minutes left to find a left back, I don't think waiting for Turnbull to go in touches an excuse at all. Yeah, it's, it? yeah. The money side of things is very frustrating, considering we're on the kind of not net spend type thing, but like we're eleven million up, whether that's pounds or euros. And obviously, the figures came out a couple of months ago that it was we're sitting on seventy million odds in the bank, and then you've still not put any solid investment into the squad for the fans who buy season tickets, buy TV packages to watch games, pay for trips to go to away games. It's very, very frustrating. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's not an ideal situation. I'm very interested to hear what Brendan Rodgers' comments are going to be today at his press conference about transfer window, quality signings, etc. because he's on record, him and Callum McGregor, on record in the past saying this squad needs quality additions and whether Adam, Ida and Niklas Kuhn are that remains to be seen. Whether Brendan thinks they're going to be that 
remains to be seen. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to say today. Yeah, yeah it's great. I, I mean, as as I've mentioned before, this is the you know I think was it your phrase, big time Brendan, big shot Brendan, up. something like that. Box office, Brendan. box office, box office Brendan. Yeah, this is very much. I've always considered that the bullshit Brendan, which is that anything he says on a Friday morning, just completely discount it. Like he isn't ever. Like he'd say one thing to you in one minute and say the other thing the next. But I think he's not stupid enough to have hoisted himself by that particular patar. Like if you tell people ahead of the time you're going to get quality and then you don't, it kind of looks like either you're undermined or you were talking out your ass in the first place. Like um, I would say that he's like, there's been a lot of talk about like, is there a rift between him and, and the higher ups? Like, and I would say, what do you expect? <laughs> like, when he, do you remember when George Samaras left and why Neil Lennon left the first time? Because they wouldn't, like, this is as a tale as old as Celtic. If only Brendan Rodgers had grown up as a Celtic supporter, hey, he would have known about the biscuit bin, but of course he didn't, so he doesn't. Um, but, like, yeah, it's um, depressing and predictable. And the idea that Brendan Rodgers somehow thought that because, like, you know, what's the, what did I say last week? Sharon, I've changed. That was uh, me and my brother's wife. Uh, every time Neil Lennon said he'd learned something, but this is uh, Peter, Peter Lowell, Mark Lowell. I know there's a lot of stuff about the sort of Nepo baby, baby aspect of it in terms of like what happens when you hire the chairman's son. Also, you know, hiring your former manager's son to do this sort of stuff. Like, I'm not, I don't 100% subscribe to that because Mark Lowell was, if we did, we tried to sign Mark Lowell's boss, Fergus Harkin, as a sort of director of whatever and we decided that we are a unique bird among all of football who doesn't actually need this sort of person and therefore everything will be fine and um, of course you know all the teams who beat us in europe tend to have this but you know we, we can't possibly learn anything like that and um, because celtic is celtic and we've got to know the league therefore have the right surname and um, you can tell I, I, this is this is how i then like i don't uh, i don't ramp as much as just take the piss but um yeah yeah yeah, I, I I think this is the um, what's that meme? Disappointed but not surprised. That's me. Mm. If somebody could put that onto like the signing, like you know when God bless the Celtic admins, you've got to post like well hashtag welcome either or whatever it was. Um, Paul should go Adam as he should have said, but they, they they always do it in different languages. But they had an opportunity to ask Olga, but they didn't. So there you go. That's my tip. That's my uh, hot take. Hot take. Adam Ida is the unwitting, uh, let's say, runners-up prize that we've all been left with. And I think you can see the pictures of him arriving at the airport and you can see in the interview and stuff like he's obviously aware of the fan reaction, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for me, like, I'm not, I, I'm not a huge fan of this move for the sake of, like, I don't think it moves the team on. I don't think it helps us in our longer-term objectives, right? The, the positive that I hang on to this Adam Ida deal, right, is... Everyone wanted a Shankland or a Miofsky type to come in and push the, the kind of forwards on, right? Those guys cost a couple of million quid. We were reported four to five for Miofsky. Shankland probably wouldn't be too far dissimilar just because of how, uh, you know, how ruthless hearts can be in these negotiations with the, the Glasgow teams as it's as it's been seen over the years. But I think Adam Ida, if he played in Scotland already, like for, let's just say, Hibs or Motherwell or something like that, he probably wouldn't be doing that differently to like a Miofsky, a Shanklin, a Van Veen, you know, he's like a championship level striker. And if he was in our league scoring goals for somebody else, he would have probably been on 
the conversation with Miofsky and Shankland, you know, being an Irish international as well. So I kind of like the fact that we've got someone who should be too good to play in Scotland as like a backup striker. Should be is the kind of optimal word and let's see how it kind of shakes out. And I kind of like the fact that we've not spent any money on him either because I don't think spending four money on Miofsky would have made me happy or spending three, four million on Shankland would have made me happy. So I don't think those moves actually move the squad on in any way. There's not much resale value. There's not much actual enhancement of the best of living. I think for any of these names that we've seen, but we do need that little bit of buffer and attack for if Keogh goes off, if they're injured, if O's not kicking a ball. Mm-hmm. So I do think it was kind of needed. And I'm kind of happy we've not spent any money to do that. That's the only kind of silver lining I've got running through it. It's a very, very low risk transfer, obviously, considering yeah. just the six months, no option to buy. I mean, listen, if the boy comes in and he does really well and he scores has a loan spell like Craig Bellamy did, then you could look to sign him in the summer, but Norwich would probably want six, seven million pounds if they're going to do that. He's six foot three, so he is one of the tallest members of the squad he's going to be, if, if that's correct, because I don't know any players that are actually taller than that, apart from like Joe Hart. Probably, yeah, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be far off him and Lagerby also. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll provide a kind of different dynamic up top to what kind of got you can link the play well, there's a video post of him on Twitter the other day um, in a game against Everton for Norwich where he scored the winning goal and some of his link-up players were really good. He's a good part of it as well. He's got lots of experience for his age, 22, had about four years in senior football, over 100 appearances for Norwich, over 20 caps for Ireland. But you can understand why a lot of fans are frustrated with this. His goal record, 17, I think it is, just for Norwich alone, which is pretty poor considering in that time they won the English Championship. And he wasn't playing ahead of a certain team of Pookie. So that might tell you a lot. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. He knows, like you say, Quinny, I think he knows the fan reaction to his signing, which is a bit of a shame for the boy, but it doesn't mean to say that the Celtic support are going to back him because he is going to get backed all the way regardless of um, what's happening the now. I'll be speaking to him later on at the press conference to see to see what he's like. So hopefully he can give us a few more encouraging words. Yeah, do you know I watched that? I watched the YouTube compilation of him as we always do with these things. I actually thought uh, I'm not encouraging you to go and do this because you won't be as sad as me. But if you go and watch O's compilation from when he played in Korea, like that's what he looks like. He looks a very similar sort of player to O in terms of gets the ball, doesn't always hold it up, but he's sort of quite fast, likes a bigger guy who likes to dribble. And I thought this is all well and good, but he's never going to have played against a deep block of. 10 men behind the ball, which kind of is like we already have a player like that. And is he going to be better than O? Like, probably, maybe, I don't know, maybe not. I've seen him play for Ireland and hard to say because Ireland are an absolute disaster at the moment and have been for the last couple of years. Like, anybody who plays them looks terrible. Like, and you know, Mikey Johnson looks like one of the best players on the team when he comes on, which really says more about Ireland. Like, um, with a terrible, terrible national team at the moment. Um, but like it's international football as well is very different. Like I can only base him on the games I've seen him play for Ireland, so which is not I would say encouraging. But on the other hand, like there are players who come into a team where they get more chances, and like I'd say his finishing's always look kind of all right. When I've you know you watch highlights and obviously they only show the ones where he scores, but by all accounts he can finish and he'll get a lot of chances to do that. I think what you say there, Quinny, about sort of where he was playing in terms of like. We sign a guy who's 22 from Norwich. We go, oh, you know, this is very underwhelming. But sign a guy in six-month loan 
with very little risk compared to say Majewski or Shankland, who I was very, very against signing for exactly the reasons that you said. Like, I, I know I'd rather have this guy. I'd rather have had this guy for now than for those guys for some. Like, I wouldn't have paid one million for Shankland. Um, other, I mean, the only reason to sign him is that he can't, he wouldn't play against us, and he does seem to score against us quite a lot. So, <laughs> yeah, the old, the old, the old uh, Scotland or signing to wind up the other lot. But yeah, um, but any player who plays a Celtic gets your support pretty much. You know, yeah. Kenny Miller doesn't, but. <laughs> I think yeah. even at the time, you know, you give him a chance, but like, I think the the thing that annoys me most about it, right? And this is more of a sort of lateral thinking, abstract concept, is that they found this sort of player who's a striker. Was this like this player the left back not existing? Like, how impossible would it have been to have signed someone who could also fulfill a six month role at left back? Like, you know, the name that was linked from PSG, Livin Kazawa. Yeah, he's yeah. like, that's perfect. Guy doesn't play, signed for six months. It doesn't even matter if you pay him his, his big wages for six months because you're getting him for nothing. And um, I was like, that's perfect. Like, could definitely play in the Scottish League and is available. You know, I'm looking at the left back match of it, so I know, but you could probably, there's probably a massive ocean between Live and Kazawa and a player of Nat Phillips' quality. And I was looking for something in the middle, and I just think, like, for six months, how hard? How fucking hard is this? But yeah. apparently, apparently, it's incredibly hard. Just, I think a big part of this is uh, sorry, Josh, but I think a big part of this as well is like, Celtic have been mugged off pretty royally in this window. You know, the Adam Ida is probably the the poster child of this because we take him on loan, and as soon as Norwich know that we are going to take him on loan, they go and get Sydney Van Hooydonk. Who again, I wasn't pure buzzing about the links we had to him, but that guy's at least played. Serie A, he's played, uh, you know, Eredivisie and scored some goals like Jackie Macus has and a few other Celtic heroes over the years. So, you know, to get somebody with less pedigree and then that same team take the money that we've given them and covering his wages and whatever, and it helps finance a better player, perhaps, um, is a big part of the mugging off, I think, of this. It kind of flavours the whole Ida situation. So yeah. Josh, on you go. No, that's true. I was going to say a theory some people floated about is obviously a link last summer with Christgarden. And he didn't end up leaving Bronby. So Bronby halfway through their season and now, they obviously will want to sell him midway through their campaign, 17 games in. So a lot of people have been saying Ida is a stopgap for six months. And in the summer, we'll go back in for Christ Garden because Bronby at the 11th hour last night just signed a striker on a deal until 2028. So potentially that's something that will be revisited come the summer. I wouldn't be holding my breath on that because if Bromby do win the league, they're in the Champions League too. And then all of a sudden, they're going to want to... Let's uh, hope they don't win the league awesome. then. Let's hope they yeah. don't win. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm on the Copenhagen. On Scott McKenna at Copenhagen. Come on, boys. And uh, the mugging off, I think, began very early this month for the whole Owen Beck thing. You know, yeah. like we weren't interested in him. I wanted him. I thought Beck would have been a good yeah. left-back for us to get, loan option to buy. And, uh, you know... We weren't interested, and then we were interested, and then we're making a bid, and then Liverpool played him, and now he's back at Dundee, and it's just it just feels like absolute amateur ever. I think they've put all the eggs in the Beck basket for left back, mm-hmm. and as soon as that is you know crumbled from beneath them, it's just been like I've seen on the Soria CSC last night on the outside here live stream that we did, like it feels like it's the blind leading the blind in there, but it's like no one really knows what's going on, and they turn up every day like, oh, did we hear back from Liverpool about Beck? No, we didn't. All right, okay. We'll check the Mora, you know, and oh, you know, Beck's played for Liverpool. Oh, he's back at Dundee. Oh, what do we do now? Oh, fuck the deadlines in 12 hours. Oh, shucks. Yeah. What do you know? 
you know. Is, yeah, here's, a, here's a very uh, here's an abstract way of thinking about it. Like, my dad was a young fellow. He worked in an ice factory and all, and he used to go in. And every morning, the boss would come in, and they'd all sort of be sitting in the forklift or whatever they were doing. And then when the boss fucked up, they'd just get the cards out and play cards for nine hours. And then when he came back in, they'd clock out and go home. And that's the kind of how I feel like the Celtic recruitment team goes, where they get up, they open the daily record, and go, Fuck, "We're linked to the Owen Beck." <laughs> Has <laughs> <laughs> anyone spoken to Stephen McGowan? Um, should we check? And then they go, all right. And then they get over to, I assume, like the carrier pigeon then lands on the window. Um, Josh, for, for the younger, the, the Hogwarts owl. <laughs> and then they go, what is this? This is a missive that has come from, that owl's got a Scouse accent. Oh, he's, he seems to have played last night against Fulham in the League Cup. Oh shit, you can't uh, you can't play for us anymore. What else should we do? I suppose we'll see if an owl comes tomorrow and they go back to playing cards. So yeah, this is exactly how I think it works. Um, I'm, I've got no scientific proof for this, but prove me wrong, Celtic. I think we have the scientific proof. The, the left-back thing, we were talking about this in the summer. You know, Greg Taylor probably can't move to Champions League level. We do to the Champions League. Taylor... God bless his cotton socks. Love the guy. Knocks his pan in for us, but he's not a Champions League level defender. Mm. And then we come into January and Brendan's talking about quality and it has to be the number one position when you look at the best of living and think, right, where could we get an addition there? So I think that we have scientific proof on that one, Mike, that, um, you know, that is very well. The, the entire uh, Travis transfer policy is done by carrier pigeon. You heard it here first on the mm. podcast. But That's that is, it. It is true, right? Like, we... I like as I say, I love Greg Taylor. I think as an inverted left back in the Scottish League, we all he's kind of perfect for how we play. Like he plays like a centre midfielder, which is what we want. Brilliant, no problems with Greg Taylor at all. But like the guy, we we need someone who can go up the line. Like that's how you free up Palmer and how you free up the left half space. Like that's how it works. And it just, I hope Bernabeu can do that. I mean, in fairness to Bernabeu. The one thing you can do is go up the line. Mm. Can't defend, can't really cross. Kind of looks like he's just in a football this morning for the first time. But the boy can run. So, and, you know, drive in the drunk state, which is also good. I can't do that. So. The fear of Bernabe is starting him in three games in a row against Aberdeen away. Hibs away, St. Murn away, when he's barely played all season. I think it gives a lot of people the fear. So, yeah. Wait till they didn't play. This is a guy that couldn't get in the Champions League squad, yeah. like the 25 registered, and yeah. all of a sudden now he's the main left back yeah. for what will be four matches, it feels like at least, you know. But the thing that really got me, um, Mike, from the Ross County game when Burnaby started is I thought that's what we we're going to see. I thought we were going to see a bit of artillery down the left, a real kind of, you know, line hugging fullback. Maybe we've seen a better palm off the back of it. But Burnaby played the inverted fullback role as well against Ross County. You know, he was like in attacking midfield positions and coming in centre with McGregor. And when I was watching this, I'm thinking, are we sticking with that? Is that how Rogers wants to build Celtic now? Because I thought we were just doing that because it was the best way to get a tune out of Taylor, you know. But we're now going to bring in Burnaby and get him to do the same job. Is that what we're well, looking the, for? In the, first, the first, like, five games of the season, Taylor didn't invert. Like, he wasn't yeah. playing like that. He was playing like a more traditional left-back, and it was rubbish. So they went, well, do you know what? If this guy's good, he's our option. I say our option implies there's another one. He is the, the only person who can do this. Therefore, we're going to have to play like that. And I, I thought, 
fine. Like that is how he's that is where he's at his best, and he's he's going to have to play. So, so it is baffling to me that you wouldn't. But I genuinely this weekend I think Scales will play though. Like I reckon if um, we are not far off Liam Scales because I would you if you're going to play an inverted left back, I Liam Scales is probably better than Bernabe is, and that removes everybody's why don't we just land it on the left back policy because at least Liam Scales is tall and can sort of you know, head it away. I, so, yeah, I, I think it would not surprise me if for these three games, Liam Scales plays there. The only thing is if Carter Vickers... Yeah, can that's, that's... If Carter Vickers can play, I would be playing Liam Scales at left yeah. back and I would be I would be saying, Johnson, you fly up that side. You go and play up as high as you want on the right-hand side. And sort yeah. of... Just, do you remember how Rodgers used Shuffle. to do this for Tierney? Yeah. Well, Tierney would play right up and Bustig would take, tuck in. I am... Like, I've been playing with this tactical football manager, so maybe it's front in my mind, and this is probably not a way to analyze real football. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, just because I think Scales is probably more secure on the ball. He's less likely to do something horrendously bad, mm-hmm. and you could you could re- you could rebalance the team a little to the other side. Yeah, that's the thing as well. If well, on the Carter Vickers, if you're playing Scales left back because he's not fit, then now you're stuck with. Two of Navroski, Lagerbilk, and Welsh, and does Welsh that well Welsh injured Lagerbilk and Navroski, and we've seen what they two do together rugby park um, in the league cup. I was going to say, have we seen them together? Yeah, yeah. rugby park. In yeah, the we have. We get beat one 0 so that's. I'd, well, in fairness, I don't think that was necessarily the defenders' fault. I suppose yeah. because he couldn't couldn't yeah. score any goals, but um, but yeah, no, I I think if if CCV was fit and. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to put Brendan up, but please, God, please, 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 can you ask if people are injured? Because today, I like, in my job, I was at a, speaking to two coaches, two coaches on the same day. Guess what everybody asked them about? Who's injured? How long are they injured for? Could you please tell us what, what their injury is? This was like 50% of the press conference, and I feel like nobody ever fucking asks. And we go, is it what are injured? He's not played yeah. for like... Six yeah. weeks, but we have no idea what's wrong with him or how long he'll be out for. Just that he is abstractly injured. So there you go, Josh. Tips from a veteran, Josh. Anyone else going to the press conference? Stop acting. Please, stop asking daft questions about what? how they're feeling and what they had for lunch. We want to know who's fit yeah. and available. We want to know who's going to be the predicted team without him telling us the predicted team. So yeah, Josh will be on that. I'll and anyone else? Which of our players are injured and for how long? Even like vaguely, because this is infuriating to me as someone who. This is fifty percent of the job that I hate doing in this job. I could somebody make it ten percent of their job in Scotland though. <laughs> I think um I, I think a big part of the transfer window as well was like the housekeeping part. You know, like we did have a huge bulking squad of dead weight. And yeah, Mikey Johnson's way on loan to West Brom. Uh we thought we'd maybe get a few more loans out to Asia. Kobayashi, I don't think's actually left. Helios went back home, as we know. Uh, Bring for the rest him of the year. Back. Big spot on the left hand side. Um, before I, I get to the kind of the, the coup de grace of the outs, but on the Tilio thing, I've heard I think everyone I hear mentioned Tilio says Arzani almost in the same sentence, right? But see, when I seen Tilio going back to Melbourne, the first thing I thought was Tom Rogic because when we first got Rogic, he was crap and we sent him back to Central Coast and then we took him back. Did we send him back to maybe Melbourne Victory as well? I want to say, or no, he so, went to he went to the Mariners. And he had previously yep. been. So, do you want a Daniel Lazzani update? No. <laughs> okay. Daniel, Daniel Lazzani is playing for Melbourne Victory at the moment. I mean, he is the most frustrating footballer 
in the entire world. Like, it is insane how good he is. Like, I've seen him play last year in, in the flesh. I've seen him play in the flesh in Sydney, in, admittedly against the second division team in the cup final. And he was unbelievable. He's so good. And it's like, it's like if you were on Football Manager, it'd be like 20 dribbling decisions, zero. Like, he permanently makes the wrong decision. And you're like, how is this guy? He's so frustrating because I can't think of another player who is so good at all the other stuff. And it's not like he's not trying. It's not like he, but you think, he's like my dog, right? My dog, if he got, if you put him in the street, you get hit by a car and he'd get up and he would run in front of the car again because he wouldn't learn because he's a stupid dog, right? I, I'm not calling Daniel Daniel a stupid dog, but like he repeatedly makes the same decisions, like on a week to week basis that don't work, like cutting inside and shooting from miles out or shooting when he should pass or passing when he should shoot. And he's like, what, what are you doing? Like, I have to say, Melbourne Victory is my A-League team, right? Because my mate supports him. And so I have to watch him play for Melbourne Victory and be like, God, if this guy can point himself in the right direction and just periodically shoot or when he should shoot and pass when he should pass, he'd be an absolute... He wouldn't be playing in Australia. And you can see exactly why Celtic signed him. And I worry now, to actually bring it back to something that people care about, like, I don't understand why Marco Tullio is back playing for Melbourne City. Like, why can't... It's so it's so lazy and obvious of us to go, let's get this guy who we brought from Australia, who we know can play in the A-League, and then put him straight back to the A-League. Like, send him to fucking Belgium or literally anywhere where it's a higher level than the A-League because we already know he can play in the A-League. Like, unless he's going, I'm incredibly homesick, I want to move back to Melbourne, which he's not from, he's from Sydney. Like, he was just playing in Melbourne. Like, yeah. I don't understand what, what it gains Marco Tilio or Celtic like he doesn't gain anything, and also the A League season, season is really short and finishes in it'll finish in May, but they don't play as many games, so he'll actually only play about twelve games, I think. Before. I think part of the plan is that he does come back to us in the summer. I think it's just a yeah. uh, it's just a wee you know to stop him going dusty, basically. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the main the, the main coup de gras, the main exit that we had this some uh, this January, I beg your pardon, was the the let's say the. I don't know what the word is, it's escaped me, but it's David Turnbull. He's went to Cardiff for two million quid when he's on six months of his deal. Is this a good bit of business? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you. Two million pounds for a guy who's got six months left in his contract, whose attitude didn't look like he wanted to be a Celtic player given his cameo against Ross County at the weekend. So yeah, I think it's good business from the club to to get him. But I think you said earlier, I mean, he'll like you could have got any club down south to Who's that? Who's in training? Iwata. Tomo. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, that's actually good because... What about he is? Turnbull. Turnbull's away. And then Rio's out for 48 weeks now because he's torn a calf muscle. So... We, we believe that's we a just, long translation. It's not a tear, it's a strain. He's so it strained. might not be as bad. Right, it might okay, not be as bad. Good. That's good. We're crossing but, our fingers and praying. <laughs> well, if he's going to be out and still at this Asian Cup, Having Tomo yeah. back in is a, a big positive because for me, I think he really very much impressed them previously. But back on to back on to Turnbull, I think he was a really good servant to the club. Uh, when we think about it, three and a half years, over hundred appearances, over fifty goals, assists, two million pounds. Yeah, with with I can't remember how much we paid Mudwell for him back a couple of years ago. I think it was about three million, three and a half million. Yeah, I was going to say three. So we have made a loss on him, but I think we've got our a million pound or whatever worth of fun out of David Turnbull. He wasn't really gonna he wasn't really gonna progress anymore. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a good deal. And 
he'll go to the English Championship and he'll probably do well Cardiff mid-table side but I'm more interested to see how Nat Phillips does at Cardiff not David Turnbull I hope I've got a sell-on clause because I've got on good authority that Turnbull's went there and he's a high earner he's probably going to be getting significant minutes at Cardiff so I don't know how likely they are to get promoted or whatever but um you know, we've seen it with Christie, we've seen it with Armstrong, we've seen it with a bunch of guys that can go to the championship and turn a coin. So, if uh, you know, I, I wish him all the best. I think he's been a decent player, but he's just been the wrong player for Ange. And then it doesn't feel like Brendan can get a song out of him either. So, maybe yeah. a great guy, but wrong place at the right time or the right wrong place at the yeah. right time or whatever it might be. It was, it was very much worth your time going and looking at the, um, the Cardiff City announcement to see the comments underneath. Because, like, here, so here's the thing, right? I, I, I've got a theory about football fans in general, which I might have brought up, that we just like new things, right? We don't actually, you know, when we, every, in the summer, when we signed 10 players, now we all know most of them were shit. But we, at the time, we were like, oh, another one. Let's give us another one. Give us another one. You know, announce Quan. Hashtag announce Quan. Um, and so we, we basically like new shiny things, right? Even if, the boring answer of we've given seven new contracts out to CCV and Tati and O'Reilly and Bo is the actual good news. But all the so all of the Cardiff fans were like, yes, look at this guy. What a world. I'm not, I'm not going to do it in a Welsh accent, but you know, imagine that in a Welsh accent. Like, what's the, I'm trying to do it in the style of the boot like I hear. Well, lad, you went all right, lads. No, he's a Wrexham fan anyway. But, um, they loved it. And then loads of people were like, in the Celtic one, when Celtic said, you know, thanks for the memories, DC14. Loads of Cardiffans were like, what's this guy like? And I was like, do you like long shooting? Oh, that's great. Do you like anything else? Unfortunately, he doesn't do anything else. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you like left foot? I've got one of those. Do you like <laughs> running, tracking back, uh, taking fewer than three touches? Uh, no. So it's funny that we, and like, I did the same thing. I'm sure we'll come to Mikey Johnson, but I did the same thing for Mikey Johnson as well. And all the West Brom fans were saying, I hope he's not like that Roger. He was rubbish. <laughs> I was like, you boys would not know football if it fucking flew out the stands and botched on the head. Like, um, but yeah. So the moral of the story here is David Turnbull was a fundamentally flawed, yet occasionally useful player who... You know, thanks for the memories, DT14. Enjoy that street with all the chippies on it in Cardiff. I've got pretty drunk in Cardiff a few times. That's my big tip. It's got a street full of chippies. He does have proper takers, but Turnbull, you know, he does have he does have he, some talent, like, you know. Would you call him the Marvin's the Marvin Shred of Motherwell? Like, because that boy would make a serious YouTube compilation. Like you mm. you go back and watch his goals. Not many tappings. Like the boy no, loves the no. shot. Yeah, nobody, nobody makes a YouTube compilation of every time he took six touches than one would have done. But, but what on the YouTube videos does Turnbull not show you how a YouTube video can make someone look really good when actually as a player overall they're not very great. I mean Marvin Tread is that player. That is yeah. he has completed the YouTube video from Vacuum Piles Yes. Now banging him in, banging him in, is he not? For um, what? he's been a bit cold now, but he was in a wee bit of form. Bio yeah. did have some stats to back him up. Um, and we've seen Shred obviously take to the Champions League at some point. I think it's a lot of the time we see like like Turnbull, some of these other guys were mentioning. It has been square pegs and round holes, you know. We've just 
was signed Turnbull because he was the exciting young Scottish midfielder in the league, you know, and it was Neil Lennon that signed him, I believe, and it was obviously like in a desperate attempt to keep the team pushing towards titles and stuff. So I don't think, again, like any of the signings we've made, it doesn't seem to be like, oh, we need a box-to-box, line-to-line midfielder. Who will we go and get? Oh, this guy, David Turnbull. You know, that's not how it's happened. It's just been... Oh, there's this guy, David Turnbull, who scored worldies at plays for Motherwell that we could probably steal for like three million quid and then John McGinnum or something. It's also not worked out that way. Have we, um, have we ever noticed that all the best Scottish players that have come out of the league are all fullbacks and we don't have any... <laughs> we, we, this policy that you're mentioning there, Quinny, right? I, I, I agree with you that this appears to be the case. And yet somehow in this, we've missed Josh Doig, Aaron Hickey, Calvin Ramsey, uh, the kid who went to Stonegrass, Johnson... Like, there's, like, off the top of my head, four or five, I mean, a lot of them right-backs, but they're all better than Anthony Ralston. So all of these full-backs that we haven't signed. Um, but here's a question for you, because I know we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. You know how we don't have a 10 and we don't play with a 10? And everybody said, how good would Haksabanovic be if he was a 10? And then I think you might have suggested how good Lewis Palmer would be if he was a 10. Isn't David Turnbull just a 10? Yeah. Like, Passes and shoots doesn't really run. He's like a, a 10 from about 1990, but like that is. It needs to be in a 2 3 1, you know, it needs to be right in the middle of a team that's built to, yeah. you know, like do everything else. And like then where's Turnbull? Yeah, like Rogic, exactly. Yeah. 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 And we, know, we haven't played with that for years. So. On the Scottish fullbacks, we did get Greg Taylor. So there you go. Hey. And he did. Who, who, <laughs> he did. Uh, did he not massively pass? Joey Barton at some point. I think it was Joey Barton. He got red for Kilmarnock against Rangers. Absolutely. Sign him up. Sign him up. I feel like the mood has lifted a little bit, guys. You know, we're having a yeah. good bit of fun with some of the, some of the, you know, we're, 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 we're like the crying clowns right now, right? But what about Brendan Rogers? How do you think he actually feels right now? I'll call myself a clown. I don't mind. But um, how do we think Brendan's actually sitting right now? You're going to be grilling him later on, Josh, obviously, in the press conference as well, every other. Celtic fan media baying for blood right now. But how do you think he's... Do you think he's waking up raging? Or do you think he's waking up gutted, disappointed? You know, what do you think the manager's actually going through right now? I think... Well, I won't be speaking to Brendan. I've only got Adam either. So, unfortunately, I don't don't know if we're on the road for Brendan soon. But, uh, yes. But I think he'll probably be disappointed, let's be honest. He's cried out for quality, at least in the press conferences and when he spoke to the media. And what's he got? On paper, Norwich's third-choice striker and Nicholas Kuhn have not even got a left-back in the door. So, yeah, I don't think he'll be too happy. But we just need to wait and see what he says. Like, I'm so interested to hear his comments, and I'm sure everyone will be. And I hope the mainstream media are there actually do grill him and don't just, don't just leave it hanging type thing and bring up his prior comments about what he said. But in the day, I don't think it's, it's the manager's fault if the money isn't invested in the squad and players aren't brought in because we do have a recruitment team led by the son of Peter Lowell and one of the sons of Gordon Strachan as well. So we're bound to get good players, aren't we? Um, but I think, like we've touched on it earlier, I think we've put our eggs in a lot of baskets for other left-backs so far in the window, like Owen Beck. Stuff came out about the Peterborough left-back yesterday when we tried to get him at the start of the window. Harrison Burrows or something like that. Can't remember his name. And then obviously we had the Levan Karzawa stuff. So I think we have tried to get a number of left backs throughout the window. And 
it'll probably frustrate him even more that we've not managed to get one and we're sitting here post-deadline day with Bernabe as our only option. So, yeah, he will be a frustrated man, but whether he shows it or not remains to be seen and whether he brings out, not excuses, but comments like, oh, we tried really hard, etc. Or if he goes down the other route and says, well, yeah, I'm annoyed we've not got the players we needed or wanted, but we'll just have to wait and see what he says. Did you, Josh, did you tweet about the Peterborough guy? I missed this was one of these ones that existed only when I was asleep. But did you tweet mentioning that Barry Fry is still in charge of Peterborough? Because I think so. I think so. Barry Fry was an old man when I was a kid. Yeah, he's still. <laughs> I think he's still yeah. That is unbelievable. Is, if he's still going, like I imagine he's like one of the heads in a jar on future Emma. He's just like Nixon, 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 Barry Fry. Yeah, Nick, Barry Fry, yeah, and he's like float, <laughs> floating around somewhere. Um, Road, there you go. I don't think Peterborough still play there. That's what they used to play. I think I mean, it was Colchester. I don't know. I don't even know where Peterborough is. Somewhere in England. Full of southerners. Um, but yeah, on on uh, on Brendan, like what? Might so the I I would say for me, my thing is he must have come back to Celtic thinking either it's going to be different this time or this is the only good job I can get. And I really don't believe that a guy who came in. Like, obviously, he'd been sacked from Leicester, but, like, he did win in the FA Cup not that long before. Like, he would have got a Premier League job if yeah. you're Crystal Palace, for example, who, yeah. um, you know, Hudson's on his last legs. If you look at who they might get, Brendan Rodgers, if he was unemployed, would be pretty much top of the list, I'd say. Him and Graham Barter. Like, yeah. that would be... Or who's the kid who just... Cooper, he just got pointed from Forest. Like, he'd be in the he'd be in the chat for West Ham, Crystal... It wouldn't be, like, Luton Town and the shit teams. It'd be, like... yeah. You know, Everton, like maybe not Everton, because he's a Liverpool manager, but you know, I mean, that that tier would be where he'd be he'd be talked about. So I just don't buy that he couldn't, like he must have been told, you know, Sharon have changed. Like we need, like next time you go in for the Timothy Castagna, you'll actually get him, as opposed to, you know, like I, I know he, so we're in danger of, reading into anything that Brendan Rodgers says it. But in the summer, he basically was like, you know, I, I'm not doing the transfers. I'm, I'm not misremembering this. This is basically what happened. Where yeah. He was like, they recommend players to me, blah, blah, blah. So I don't understand why people think in January this would have changed in any way, which leads me to think I, either our recruitment team are complete confidence who can't find any left-backs anywhere in the world which is just unfathomably stupid. Like they're not that, they can't be that thick. Like I know we seem to have, have every, every, you know, offspring except for the Sons of Struth running our recruitment, but like, this is how we appear to run it. They, but like, or he's gone, I just don't want this guy. I just don't want this guy. We'll deal with what we have. Like this, this could be the only other option, right? Is that they have suggested to him players and he's gone, no. No, no, don't don't need it. I'd rather work with Bernabeu and Liam Scales, which, like, in which case, imagine so. Imagine we don't win the league. Like, where does that leave Brendan Rodgers? This is a not not a good place to be in because my. So when he came back, my thinking was, a you know, a never go back, and b like, what does he achieve if he wins literally everything? Well, he's he's just as good as he was before. 
I accept Celtic fans might not completely hate him, but I don't know. Brendan Rodgers' ego is never something that I thought was contingent on whether people liked him or not, especially not Celtic fans, who, let's remember, he is not one of them. So, and never was. Like, he's not going to be like, well, this is going to be slightly better for me when I go back to Carmel. Like, yeah, I know. Is this, am, am I, is this a mental take that I have here? Does no, Brendan no, Rogers, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't understand his reasoning mm-hmm. here. I'm kind of I think it was basically a man with teeth like that. I know, but I'm a, a, again. I, I hate to bring it up again, but it was it was a question I asked him, like when he was announced as manager and we got into to speak to him. Was like we were all really worried that the transfer business has been good under Ange and it's going to change. And his answer was like I, I said to him, they must have shown you an amazing presentation to show you that like things are going to be different this time because last time you know he was previously quoted in the press conference as saying like. Last time he was here, the transfer policy was confused and said some other stuff like that. So I kind of gave him his words back and I said, you know, last time it was this, they must have told you something incredible that makes you believe that it's going to be different this time. Us as Celtic fans are worried that it's going to go back to the way it was pre-Ange. And, you know, what have they told you to make you think that it'll be different this time? And he said, in a roundabout way, that he said, there's a there's a real clarity. There's a real clarity. There's a real system and da 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 and you know, Mark, what was, what's the boy's name again? Lowell, Martin or Mark, whatever. Mark, Mark, Mark. And he's like, Mark has got, a, you know, do, 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 do. and he's basically just put, like you've mentioned, he's not signing the players. He's put all the focus on there's a clarity, there's a department, there's untapped markets that we can now work in. And yeah, we can't buy 20 million pound players, but we can buy very good players. And then he goes on later in the quote to say, a big thing he learned from his first time at Celtic to his second time is to not sign 40 players to say no to players that are not going to be good enough. So, and again, thinking about that as we're talking, maybe there is, like you say there, they've just been handing him shite and he's like, guys, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> get this away from me. Go and get an actual bloody player. Like you told me whenever you were in my villa in Mallorca, where are those players? Untapped markets in South America but, and all this crap. Real, like real, real talk. The problem with our previous signing policy was that we signed too many players, right? And I, the great quote of the early days of analytics, which the best analysts will tell you just to say no two times a year. Like that is that that is a good policy, right? I don't want Celtic signing having a squad of forty, like like this is what we had was to the we're not quite Chelsea level, so we have to have two training sessions going on at once. But like we had far too many players. Incidentally, lost all this. Somebody wanted to take James McCarthy. Can we? I don't know if that's on the running yeah. order, but can we please just have a moment on? Yeah. Think what? And, so, and we said no. <laughs> Is he like? I know he's like the greatest guy around the change room. Like he's really good at yo-yo or something that makes everybody really entertained. He's like he's like having a friendly dog in a pub at the moment. I think it's the second footballer compared to a dog on this podcast. I need to stop doing that. <laughs> dog but like. I love dogs. I wish my dog was there. If I was in my own house, I'd bring my dog around. Um. He could probably get a game of Celtic at left back. He runs around a lot, loves the ball. <laughs> really have to get awesome. the ball. The McCarthy stuff was strange. Like, comes from a Greek Super League team. Like, I have no clue why they would be interested in him. And my only thinking line of thinking that Celtic maybe turned it down is because maybe he has a clause in his contract where if he plays over a certain number of games, Celtic have to pay him more, so that when he came. If he stayed, he wasn't going to play, so they are actually saving money. But yeah, I'd, I have no clue. But I've got a story about James McCarthy. So I was in, I was on holiday after watching a Celtic game once. It's just like last summer, 
and um, obviously we're in a Celtic top. Went to a restaurant after the game, and it's just me and my dad were sitting chatting, and then another couple were sitting next to us, and they see the Celtic top, and they're asking, oh, what do you think of the game, etc. And I was like, oh, yeah, it was quite good. Like, Who's your favourite player? Just some generic answer at the time, like Kyogo. And then they said, what do you think of James McCarthy? And I was like, oh, he's absolutely rubbish. Don't know why he's at the club. And then the woman goes, oh, it's he's my son-in-law. And it was just, oh, it was so embarrassing, honestly. But it's an honest opinion, isn't it? So, football, don't ask if you don't yeah. know the answer. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I was going to say, you know, I mean, like right. if, if he's your son-in-law, you've got a good idea of the general answer. <laughs> so exactly. you, you know, I mean, exactly. you're not walking into the dark on that one, are you? <laughs> exactly. I know. Thank goodness. But yeah, I think it's a bit strange that he didn't go. But like you said, maybe he's the the changing room pet that everyone adores and his morale-lifting attributes can help us win the league at the end of the season. Let's hope so. I think it's a little bit of... I was making this joke on one of my other uh, streams and stuff about uh, Calvin Phillips mm. and, you know, Cole Palmer, Tommy Doyle, some of these Man City guys. And, um, like, I think what was the quote? I think it was when Palmer played against Man City and he scored really well and um, Pep was saying, oh, I told you these guys... That we've got in the squad are all they've earned their Champions League medals and Premier League medals, even though they didn't play because the training is so ferocious because the talent everywhere. And anyway, I've ended up having this little meme thing going where Calvin Phillips is like a world class training participant. You know, like if you're a real world class club, you want Calvin Phillips on the training ground, you know, kind of thing. And maybe that's just James McCarthy. Maybe he is the elite training participant that we need to keep tempo and training and yeah. <laughs> Keep it well, up. Do you know? Did, did you did you not miss <laughs> a, a substantial amount of time with a hamstring injury? And I was like, Yeah, he doesn't run. Probably. When does he run fast <laughs> enough to get a hamstring injury? Now, hamstring injuries only really occur if you're in like the absolute top echelons of peak physical performance, which is not a phrase that I associate with James McCarthy's solo career, if like in the politest possible way. But like. I know everyone says if you ever watch the you know like they do the teammates thing where they basically just get Alistair Johnson to sort of go off and it's it's pretty entertaining and Greg Taylor I'll tell you what keep Greg Taylor around for them he's the star of any of the Sally TV content for the foreign fan. Um, I mean, AJ they love it, don't they? Hmm. Yeah, 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 they're like a little sort of uh, two. What's it, like sort of when when uh, Skinner and um, Wiggum have to be like a unlikely couple in the Simpsons. I'm sure they're going to go and fight crime in New Orleans. Like, I love all the something. love all the cartoon chat we've had in this one. But yeah. moving over, moving over some of this, guys, we had the booze ringing out post Ross County, right? And I was kind of of the opinion that that was a message clearly to the club, like, yeah, mm-hmm. finger out, man, what's going on? We're only like the Ross County game, we won one 0 The Dundee game, we won three 0 But Mickey Johnson gets two goals off the bench in the last eleven minutes. Mm-hmm. There's another couple of games, Livy. It's been, you know, the writing's been on the wall. We've been playing crap for a while and just about getting away with it. So I kind of took the booze, not really towards the players, or really the manager, but more like the, the club, like everyone. Like, get your finger out what the hell is going on here. We've got the biggest pot of gold on the end of the rainbow for winning the league this year. And we're acting like it's, you know, it's like a Ronnie Dyla season. Rangers are in the second division and we're just cruising and we'll go and we'll just, yeah, we'll just win the league because that's what's probably going to happen. Um... Was it, uh, you know, uh, what I've got in the notes here as well is obviously about Palmer missing the penalty and uh, all the rest of it. But from that game, moving into the transfer deadline and moving into this weekend, we're away to Aberdeen. You know, like, is, is it as doom and gloom as we really think it is on the pitch? I think yes. I would say, well, yeah, because I think partly the booze were 
partly down to some of the level of the performance on Saturday, come away 1-0 victors, but at the end of the day, Ross County almost took a point when Josh Sims practically ran through the whole team and squared it to Jordan White, and I tell you, the booze would have been much, much louder if he scored that, so it probably is down to a partly a bit of the performance, like you say, but most, Quinny, I would agree with you in terms of like more aimed at the football club as a whole. At that point, we'd only say Nicholas Kuhn. There hadn't even been any solid rumours of a striker or a left-back coming in the door yet. So I think the, the fans obviously are allowed to express their views in any way they want. I don't necessarily agree with Boone. Um, but if you pay 600 quid, 700 quid for a season ticket, you can, you're allowed to say what you like within a ground, so within reason. But yeah, it's a, a culmination of frustrations probably just performance, recruitment, the level of, I would just say, things how they're going at the club. What's the word? What's the word you use when you're, when you're looking, when you keep on doing something and you think you're going to win, but you might not, when you I are... I've gone through the motions, kind of. Yeah, yeah, just just everything at the club at the minute. It's just a culmination of frustrations from the fans. It's an autopilot. Yeah, autopilot. Yeah. Complacency, complacency. That's complacency. the word. Yeah. That's the one. It's... Um... So I didn't see the game because I, I was moving house in the middle of the night. It was a classic, uh, really annoying kickoff for the Australian audience. Um, but I've obviously watched it back. And tell you what, when you watch games back, when you know what the score is and it's a 1-0 win at home to Ross County, that is not a fun... Uh, you do have, Especially with the goal you know, in the first 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah, 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 which is like the worst goal we've ever scored. I'd also already seen the goal. So when you're watching it, it's like, you see the goal, and you're like, oh, right, so this is... That's the high point. Where do we go from here? Um, but like, so here's I, I love a counterfactual, right? But like, imagine that performance goes in, but we score the penalty and it's a 2 0 win and there's no drama at the end and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's people go move on to the next one. These the points are in the bag, they were never really in doubt. Like, and I think that is that is the kind of the wonder of penalties, right? Is that I noticed this, having watched a lot of the Asia Cup and Africa Cup of Nations, like, like this morning was what Iran against Syria, and it was two penalties, and they were one on, I think Iran, Iran won on penalties. And when you watch the highlights, you're like, if you'd just seen that, you that was a real shit game. And my answer was kind of the opposite of that, where if we'd have, if we'd have, if we'd have won 2 0 without any other incident, we'd have gone 2 0, pack it up, move on. No one will remember this. It's not going to make the end of, end of season VHS, like, but. You know, three more points in the bag, and I think that's kind of at this time of year. You know, like, there's a confluence of factors with the Asia Cup, the shit pitch, the poor transfer business that add all in together. And like, obviously, fans can do whatever they want, right? If you want to boo boo, I don't mind. I'm not a I'm not a booer really. I just think it's that it's silly. But like, yeah, I feel like totally legitimate expression of frustration. And I'm not the one paying. You know, I'm paying a hundred and whatever I'm paying, I can't remember how much it is. Actually, it's like $300 to watch Celtic TV for a year, so it's quite expensive. But to say I don't actually get to go, you know, to get to watch it on TV in the middle of the night. But um, I think, like, we've got so accustomed to what Ange was doing, where it's like every single week is, you know, trying to win 6-0. And I think we were just really, really lucky to get a guy like that for the time that we did. And kind of a lot of Brendan Rodgers' football was like this. Like, and we remember now, the unbeaten season, for example, without remembering that a lot of the games in the unbeaten season, kind of 1-0s and 2-0s, where Scott Sinclair scored that goal that Scott Sinclair always scored, and it wasn't a 
always like and then the year after that and the year that he left were actually real fucking boring a lot of the time like this is Brendan Rodgers would say well they only had one shot against or whatever and we never look like losing so that's kind of the point but it does look really stunted but I would think you know if if you asked him he would say well the chance of us missing I mean obviously this man has never watched Celtic before as we know but the chance of us missing this many penalties for example is quite unlikely statistically speaking like to miss as many penalties as we have in this kind of thing there's lots of stuff where it's like it wouldn't take much like we have had a level of under underperformance that would be i'd say quite unlikely to happen more often put it that way in terms of penalties particularly which which changes the entire game state which means that everybody in the stadium goes out to home to ross county bit cold shit pitch with shit we had players missing move on the bernardo open goal was another sliding doors moment in the game after the penalties if he puts that away you're probably looking at a better scoreline as well well, I just think of the game that we drew at home early in the season was at St Johnston when O'Reilly like missed fucking six chances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like I was actually watching because it was the anniversary of it on the Lil Zay videos, but um, the one where Abadas got us in the last minute against is it Dundee United or Dundee United, United, yeah. United I think. Yeah. And you think how many chances do we miss? And Jack Mackley start dead eye finisher that he was, which is a complete fucking no he wasn't. Um he hits the keeper from one yard out and stuff like that. And like because we scored in the last minute, everyone goes, to a pivotal moment when actually it was a terrible performance. Or like, do you remember the game where Scott Brown, we conceded in the 90th minute and then Scott Brown scored in like the 91st against Hamilton just before Christmas? Yeah. A couple of yeah. years ago. Yeah. Like games like this that become like the pivotal moment in the season when actually mm. they were terrible performances. So, I mean, part of me goes, yeah, if you paid your good money to go and watch it and you want to boo people, boo people, like knock yourself out. And then part of me goes like, we played 40 games in the season and some of them are going to be shit and we won this one one nil so like there's not a complacency there like we have to say like this performance was shit we need to be better but like Brendan Rodgers will be telling them that they they know when they've played badly like I don't know like if I played I played cricket on Friday and if I played badly like Mm. I know I played badly don't do cricket cricket's great what is it about, do you think, watching something that goes on for ages and nothing much happens that makes me accustomed to watching Celtic 1 Ross County nil? Yeah, that's a, that's a good either or. Would you rather watch the Celtic game knowing it's 1 0 with the goal in the first minute or a game of cricket? I'd probably still stick to Celtic, I think. But that is a tough one. Um... <laughs> is, I'll say that as a personal insult. I love cricket anyway. I actually am now... talking to you and I could be watching the India, so. <laughs> I was going to say the the Ross County game. Some of the stuff we're chatting about now, the level of performance, the results kind of just about went our way, but maybe been knife edge. And against teams that we know are going to low block, they're going to camp in, going to give us the possession. And Ross County, to be fair to them, like we've mentioned, they did try. You know, they attacked the centre ground. They went through the middle of the pitch on counter attack when they could. Against Aberdeen at home, who have just bagged their manager, we're kind of walking into a little bit of the unknown. Number one and number two at Petardry. That's not going to happen with Aberdeen. So we have a way different match. Maybe it suits us better. And maybe with all the kind of furore and anger or pressure, maybe we get a great performance out of the team. What do you think the chances of that are? Um, I can, I'm quite nervous about this game, if I'm honest. Aberdeen, the players are going to have a point to prove. South Canton, the greatest run of form going into it. Transfer windows just finished. Manager potentially a bit frustrated with the lack of signings. Alessandro Bernabe at left back, but these are the games sometimes where you don't expect the team to do well, 
where they go out and put in a performance and we're in, we end up 3-0 up at half-time at Pataudry. So it could it could easily go either way. I think, like I've said, the Dons have got a point to prove, but Celtic players will want to want to put in that performance and put a bit of pressure on, on Rangers who have got the 3 o'clock kick-off later on in the day and just keep on this one and run because that's six games in a row now. Uh, Celtic have won, conceding only one goal in that. On paper, it's a pretty decent run of form. Maybe performance is not there, but like you said, Mio, just the time of year, conditions, etc., run of games, injuries, to have six wins out of six and having going into that run, not have won three games in a row all season, it's pretty good. So they'll look to, look to keep that up against Aberdeen and hopefully see a wee debut for Adam Ida as well. Do you think so? Here's, here's the thought I just had there, right? I, I didn't know about that six um, six wins in a row, but like now I think of it, it's yeah, it's true. Um, but I was listening to a podcast with you know Scott Cardle, Celtic supporting boxer. He was. I think I know the name, boxer. but I don't. I wouldn't say I know him. Anyway, he's a big Celtic fan, but he's uh, he's a boxer, and he he was talking about in um, one of his fights where he basically looked. He was talking in the context of Tyson Fury, right? His most recent fight against Ngannou, where he's looking past Ngannou to fight Usyk, and then nearly lost it, lost Ngannou. But well, I thought he won, but anyway, it's now boxing progress. But like, he clearly could could see the next game. So like, if you imagine you're Celtic, you've gone Bucky Thistle, whatever doesn't matter. Then you've got oh, we've got this Ross County at home. Their mind just crap. He thinks everybody, the whole team's crap. And then the big two away games, right? Big three away games with St. Mirren. Oh no, we. I'm, I'm lost. Anyway, Pitodri and, and Easter Road, right? And I can see how Celtic would have gone, like, this is a block of fixtures. Because they always, all the clubs will work on blocks of fixtures, four in a row, five in a row, whatever, and gone, this is, the Ross County at home is the gimme, and then we've got the other two ones that are difficult. And I think that's, that, much as they've never said that they'd do it, like, I could see them doing the Francis Ngannou here and just looking straight past the guy they think they'll be easily in advance of the ones that they need to be ready for and um, so for one i would expect a reaction both to the crap performance and the fact that they would have potentially overlooked ross county who are you know rubbish and about south manager um, and the other thing as well is that um just on what you were saying there josh like you think of Pataudry as a difficult place to go but historically it's actually not like we almost always win there usually quite easily like our record Pataudry is really really good like i i always think this as well because it's such a difficult place to go and actually for Celtic it very rarely is and obviously completely jinxed us there um, and also yes. thanks I know right? I said we were going to beat Ross County 10 now no I said Bucky, what did I say yeah, I think I literally said like 10 mils um, but I think as well we have under Brendan Rodgers we have played better against better teams that's I'd say fairly uncontroversial like if we think on the days that we have something here it's like brendan rogers thinks that he can just coast through everybody and when he has that sort of a vague intellectual challenge he decides that he'd be interested for a while um so i think there'll be a reaction like i can't see them being that pedestrian again like yeah. i just don't think that that's possible on the pitaudry thing right celtic haven't lost at pitaudry since february 2016 and in that run since then Celtic have only done two games at Pataudry and both of them were in the COVID year. So that tells you how good did, did um the form is. Go to the game that we lost. Yeah. Who scored? Yeah, I want to say Peter Paula. 
Lee Griffiths scored in the 90th minute for Celtic when we were 2-0 down. Johnny Hayes and Simon Church scored for Aberdeen. Simon Church. Who's Peter Paul? I feel like, oh, maybe he's done the United. Anyway, sorry. My particular library of uh, disappointing Celtic performances from the last decade pulled that name out. Um, but yeah, like, so that's that kind of confirms my point, right? Actually, our record at February is really, really good. Like, our record against most teams is good, but it's particularly good at Bizarre Like, I feel like, as a as a confessed reader of Follow Follow, they think that Aberdeen try ten times harder against them than they do against us, and the record of Rangers at Pataudry would suggest that that's kind of true, or at least they Rangers do worse there than we do do there. So, I feel like I'm like I'm not lacking confidence, put it that way. But obviously, we will eventually lose to them. And it's kind of like us against Kilmarnock. It feels like Kilmarnock always rolled roll over for Rangers and they always give us a hard time. That's what it feels mm. anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hearts as well. But do, you, do you know what I mean? Like the bad performances, when you lose or you draw, the bad performances go, well, I saw this coming. Whereas yeah. if we continue to win, which we tend to do, you go, well, you know, that was just a bad day. The office mm. against Ross County. That's a big kind of problem that I think is kind of flavoured a wee bit of this chat we've had with the Ross County coming into the Aberdeen game now, where it's like, you know, I think in, especially at this level of the game, like football, you can't be results over process, you know, like getting the positive result but playing crap, as we know, like, as we've even been mentioning. You can see the writing on the wall. It doesn't take long before a performance will go against you if you've not got that process of being able to, you know, play against all kind of manners of opponents. But I do think that, Aberdeen should be a bit more favourable to us. We do have a good record on the road there. Adam Ida probably comes off the bench in this one, I would imagine. We've yeah. had the Wata pictures in training, so there might be a wee curveball. Maybe we see a Wata come off the bench at some point as well, uh, later in the game, which could yep. be fun. I'm hoping for a victory, but looking at how motivated Aberdeen might be for this change of manager, that kind of bounce situation, they're at home. We've got a strong team, by the way. They're no mugs. I've seen them when we beat, uh, when we beat them 6-0, and... Uh, you know, we were very good for that performance on the day, but Aberdeen weren't 6-0 off it. You know, they weren't, like, we just took three chances. The goals, and... Three of the goals came in stoppage time that day, so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it'll be a wee bit tougher, and I'm probably, if I was going to end the podcast with a score prediction, I'm probably going to go with 3-1 to the hoops. Mm -hmm. That's a fair enough. I'm going to go, I would go with 3-1 as well, Connie. Um, I'll go 3-0. 3-0, get the clean I'll sheet, Josh. And... Yeah. I'll go 2-0 and everyone will be upset. Everyone will go, oh, you know, we... Two goals in the Everyone will be raising. Yeah, yeah. And maybe the final question to end on is, will Palma be on penalties? Well, this is an interesting now, point. On you go, Michael, you go first. I've done some research on this. Mm -hmm. Who's that best penalty taker of the last 15 years? The last 15 years? Juranovic. 15. Nah, I'm going to say... Lee Griffiths. Second place is Griffiths. Second place is Griffiths. Have we guessed the correct one yet? No. no. I, I have I have referenced him in, in relation to Lewis Palmer before. A golden Labrador. Haksabanovich. <laughs> no, a golden Labrador. Uh, same same I'd say hair colour and girth. Haksabanovich. Blonde. That dog. Turnbull. No. Chris Commons, the Honduran Chris Commons. Oh, and oh, happily will compare Chris Commons to a dog. <laughs> 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 no, I like Fabridors. 
the hat trick. <laughs> yeah, I actually like Labrador, so no. Um but yeah, Chris Commons is unbelievable at penalties. And actually I, I avoided having a go at somebody on Twitter about this because somebody's like James, say what you like about James Tavernier. He's an exceptional penalty taker. James Tavernier is not an exceptional penalty taker. He's an absolutely average penalty taker. He's actually below average in terms of the the average number of penalties scored. Certainly in top divisions has gone up to about eighty percent now. It used to be about seventy four, I think, or seventy five. Which is Tavernier. Tavernier is like a a three and four man. Which you know, that's what everybody else is penalties at. But the only penalty taker when I did this very boring uh, waste of an afternoon who actually hit above Tavernier in the list was Chris Common, who was an exceptional penalty taker. Quality. Again, would you describe him as a fat David Turnbull who could strike a ball but do very little, very little else? So. It's a shout. So on a penalty situation, the new striker, Adam Ida, has taken 13 in his career and he's scored all 13. So... Ooh. Do you want a second penalty question? This this is a real niche one. In do you remember the penalty that Samaras missed to that could have won us the league? I yeah. guess twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. Which I, we I, had a player on the field who yeah. had a perfect penalty record who had literally never missed one, and had taken lots of them, but he didn't even he never took penalty for Celtic. Twenty eleven. He was on the field when this happened, and I knew this ahead of time. I'm guessing it's not Chris Commons. It feels like too easy an answer for what you've told us already. So it's not Commons, I'm guessing. Commons did play that guy. I think Commons scored in that Griffiths? No, No, Griffiths 2011 is too early. Scott Brown. You'll never get this. It was Daniel Masterich. Wow. He was... Jesus. He took penalties for Ike Athens, like Lewis Palmer did once upon a time. Um, No, he was Irish, actually. No, he he took penalties. And he never took one for Celtic. And his penalty record was insane. And he never took one for Celtic. He only scored one goal for us, I think, which was in a cup tie at Barrett Rangers. A breaking city, I can't remember. One of those two. Anyway, it's about a yard out. But yeah, I, I reckon Bernardo is going to take penalties. Bernardo's a shout, yeah. That's uh, the I reckon technical, technical player. Kyogo's never taken them. He must be terrible at them. He had the post. He's been begging. He's been begging to take them, but you know, do you remember mm. when uh, McGregor had to take the ball off him and say, no, nah, Hitati's on penalties, mate. And then Hitati was injured. And he went to take the ball again, and I think they made. I think I don't think it was like the whole Calmac situation, but I think mm-hmm. he got made to give the ball to Turnbull or somebody yeah. else. So we yeah. man's itching, we man's yeah. itching to take them. He's only he, he missed one at Rugby Park last season, so yeah, that's yeah, most I think. Might have put it wide actually, but that rings yeah. A bell. yeah. So there we go. Penalties get... I reckon Paolo Bernardo will be the man where they go, you're quite technical. Sure, you can hit a penalty. And yeah. what I would like him to do is, like, just run up and kick it. Like, it makes me sound like a proper da. Like, I'm sure there is logic to the stopping penalty. Yep. But just fucking, just batter it. Like, on the goal, give yourself a chance. We know when there's two consecutive or current international tournaments, you watch a lot of penalties. And the stoppy penalty is far less effective, I think, than the wacky penalty. Hmm. Chris Commons is, yeah. didn't stop many penalties. Put yeah. it that way. I, th- I think you need to be supremely confident to do the, the stutter or the stop start or the little skips the Jorginho or something. Yeah. You, need to be, yeah. you need to be 10 out of 10 confident to pull that off, you know? I think there's like a really high proportion, there's like a high, particularly high number of successful penalties are left footers as well. 
I'm trying to remember if Chris Cummings was left, but I don't think he was. It's probably but, a British um, thing, isn't it, with the goalkeeper? You've not, you don't yeah. face that many left footers. Yeah, they just, I don't know. Yeah, I think they just face fewer of them or whatever. But apparently, left footers are vastly better at penalties than right footers. So there you Stick go. Be on them then. Put Bernabe in the pens. Bernabe, <laughs> yeah, that's the only answer. Liam Scales. O'Reilly. Oh, why is it right? Oh, Ryan should take it. Yeah. There you go. There we go. So on, that on that note, yeah. On that note, guys, if anyone is going to Petordre, we hope you travel safe and you have a lot of fun. Uh, will you be making it to the game, Josh? No, I won't be. I'll be watching it from the comfort of my own home. We'll be watching it from a safe distance. Love to hear that. Um, so, to anyone that's joined in the, the podcast that is going to the game, travel safe, have fun, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Uh, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Josh, it's been a pleasure. Hail, hail, guys. I'll not be going to Aberdeen. Cheers. See you next week. <laughs>